Scarves and Spikes, episode nine, I believe. Sydney Hunt, Tyler Pilgrim, Tommy Moose with you on a Wednesday night in Atlanta, Georgia, and the outskirts of Cleveland, Ohio as well, Tommy. It's it's cold. It's very cold. <laughs> define define cold. Is it like 30 degrees, 20 degrees, it's, or it's like 30. It's not that bad. Yeah. I know cold is kind of a relative term. Um it's in the seventies here in Atlanta, just FYI. So, However, I wore shorts while I was there a couple of weeks ago. It was it was wonderful. You did well. This is like we had first spring. I think we still have second and third spring on the way. <laughs> but that that little cold front was coming in. I started to get a little chilly when I was in the shade outside. But um, our podcast, I think, is going to be sponsored from here on out by Claritin because the pollen <laughs> is freaking awful oh down here. It is terrible. It's the worst. I like. I don't really react to pollen, and it is killing me right now. I washed my car um, yesterday, Tuesday, and it already has a covering of pollen on it. So the kind of can't wash the car it. during pollen season. <laughs> no right. The yellow no, evil no. season. That Fighting comes in like battle. late March here in in Cleveland. So we 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 get like thirteen winners here. So, I mean, I, I, it's been like 70, like three times in the past, like three weeks, but then it's been like the next day been 20. I believe it as a former um, Buffalo <laughs> resident for a decade plus, I definitely know what you mean, Tommy, <laughs> that lake, lake, lake winter, lake effects, and all that. It's fun. Yeah. I got no experience with that. With, it gets a little chilly down here and I'm making fires and throwing on jackets and everything else. <laughs> Henry but, uh, brought up a good point here. You guys switch spots and it's really messing me up. I know. What's I going on here? To look. I'm doing the Brady Bunch thing. Now, now if you're listening to the podcast, um, and again, another plug, if you're listening to the podcast, you really should tune in listening at 7 p.m. on YouTube at Scarves and Spikes. Uh, we also have a live stream. If you're just listening to us on the podcast, and if you are, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube and yeah, listening on the podcast, please hit subscribe on YouTube. Smash that like button, as people like to say, but kids like to say these days. Help <laughs> subscribe out. button. Oh, like and subscribe. Both. Um, hit them both. both. A little thumbs up yeah, and the both. other one. Hit them both. But um, yeah, like we always say, we really appreciate you all. Really appreciate your support. Uh episode nine my goodness seems like we're gathering momentum every week and guys for the first time we get to talk about a derby a lady united versus charlotte fc on saturday on big fox on new eastern from their um wrinkled background studio in florida <laughs> apparently <laughs> it's terrible um, the backyard it is. i think they i think they upgraded to a uh, mls on fox logo this past Saturday from what I've seen. So uh, they upped their game and their budget for week two. It oh, looks that's like. <laughs> hey, they're slowly working their way up like we are. They got to get started somewhere, right? Exactly. Exactly. But uh, yeah, MLS season pass blows Fox's coverage out of the water. Um, it's not even close. But um, yeah. Are there both... different announcers going to be? So if you're if you're watching it on, on Apple, is it different announcers? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Same broadcast, so, I assume, like same video feed. Same video feed, same broadcast, but different announcers. Um, Jake Zivin and Taylor Twelman will be calling it at Neville's season pass, uh, which I assume is their number one team. 
Uh, I assume for Fox, John Strong's do hold in from their broom closet in the Florida. Um, they'll be calling it, but never mind. I, I've already I've already made enough digs at Fox. Um, we're not gonna <laughs> we're gonna lose their sponsorship, our sponsorship of them. Or their well, I'm gonna throw one out them. there. If you haven't seen the comparison between Apple TV and the Fox coverage, we were watching it at Mercedes Benz Week One because that was when I think Nashville was playing, and they had both the Fox on one TV and the Apple on the other. Yeah, and it was like the Apple TV was so crisp, it was so clear, it was beautiful, and then you look over at the Fox one; it's the same broadcast essentially, and it's like in Super Nintendo. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like. Totally different. I don't, it, man, we've been, we've we're, we're getting spoiled. We're getting spoiled, and I love it. Yeah, so far so good with MLS season pass. It seems like um, some of the wrinkles that they had in week one were ironed out for week two, and it seems like Apple and MLS are really receptive to the feedback that they're getting. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that continues. But um, I know some will be going up to Charlotte. Um, to see the match live, um, others of you won't be able to see it live. You'll be able, you'll you'll be you'll be seeing it here on television. So you'll be here in Atlanta. You'll get a chance to watch it on LSC's season pass and Fox. Ariel's going to the game. Um, I wonder who else is going to the game. Just let us know in the comments. And There's about a thousand, um, at least what season ticket holders that are going. Yeah, quite so, a crowd. Quite a be, crowd. Yeah, it's going to be a good crowd. Whenever Atlanta's on like Big Fox or ESPN or whatever it was, I go to the bar. Like that's like a reason to like go out and like just enjoy myself. And we, there's a soccer bar in Cleveland. They show games, so we just go down there. And the Premier League guys yell at us and tell us that we're you know watching MLS and turned it off. It's it's a nice <laughs> battle. It's like the outsiders, yeah. just they all come. We all meet at the middle and just beat each other up. Premier League team <laughs> always wins though. Kind of like the um kind of like um that scene from Anchorman where all the news anchors from San Diego start fighting each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. None of us are fit. None of us are fit at all. Yeah. <laughs> Bruno in the comments say Cleveland, Georgia. Um Cleveland, Ohio, Bruno. Cleveland, There's a Cleveland Ohio. uh in like every state, I think, like pretty close to it. Like Cleveland Springfield. In, in There's Georgia, a Springfield cool. in like every state. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Except in Georgia. But the one, the one uh, here is neat because it's in the mountains, so yeah, it's nice. It's it near is. Helen. Yeah, it is. I won't go on my Helen tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, let's um, let's talk about um, not Saturday. We'll talk about Saturday a little bit later on, and just Sharman from the Charlotte FC radio team will be on with us a little bit later on. We just got off with her Tom, uh, Tommy Tyler, and I just got off with her a few minutes ago. So we'll give you that interview. And then talk about Charlotte FC, give you our predictions as we always do. But let's kind of wrap up Toronto. 1-1 draw. Uh, probably should have been three points for Atlanta United for one reason or another. And we'll kind of – actually, let's touch on the officiating because I know that's a hot topic. I know both of you have kind of had your say about it. So let's get it all out one last time. Tommy, you go first. No, you, you can start. I got a, my dry erase board. I, I'm going to draw pictures <laughs> okay. of, of the refs. All right. Here's here's my thing about the officiating. All right. 
First of all, this is the other quick plug. If you haven't watched our player ratings video that we did on Monday, uh, go watch it. It's on the YouTube channel. It's, it's fun. It is, there's no scientific method to it. We just have fun with it. So judge us or don't judge us. It really doesn't matter, but it's fun and it's hopefully (laughs) funny, but the refereeing, my only thing is consistency. I want consistency from the refs. I don't care how you call the game. If you call it hard, you call it soft, whatever, just call it consistent. Um, the, we can go into the finer points of the offside call parada, all that kind of stuff. Uh, It doesn't matter. Really doesn't. Um, was he on? Yeah. I I am a hundred percent convinced he was onside. I I still think it should have been a goal. Um, and whether this is the rule or not, my opinion is when you have evidence, you have VAR going back looking at video and seeing whether or not the, the call in the field was right, wrong, whatever. If you're if you're stalling the game from starting back up again, the head ref needs to go take a look. Just go take a look. It, if the only reason you go take a look as the head ref, because you're the only one that can make the final decision anyway, if you go and you take a look at the VAR, at the cameras, at minimum, it will make everybody in the stadium a lot less hostile towards the refs because at least they feel, okay, well, there was a second look. It is what it is. But when you when you pause the game for almost two minutes after this call and you don't go check it out on the camera, it just feels like a big F you to everybody there who who saw the, the the play we all saw the same thing and yeah it may come out that he he was offside it doesn't matter but i think it would just make everybody feel better if the guy who actually had the the full decision in their hands would just go take a look at it so that's my two cents i'll step off my soapbox now i mean at least they, they allowed the play to go on which maybe before a few years ago they would have just called it dead right there so i mean that happened it's and in hockey and in soccer, usually if it's that close, they're just going to stay with the, the call in the field. I feel that's the way it would have ended up being either way, whichever way it was called. But notice the, the board says here, the rest were blind. Ibarra, that was a clean tackle. I went back and watched that a lot. That would have been a four on two. We had quite a few extremely odd man rushes there that were, should have been goals, but due to the team lacking cohesion, they just kind of died. Maybe that doesn't happen later in the year. Uh, that was a goal, obviously. And then the sad <laughs> face was me every time the ref made a call. It was, it was just, it was frustrating. It's one of those games where you hope you don't go back at the end of the year and, and say that those those two points could have cost us a home playoff. Yeah. There. But it's, it's an, it's, we were talking about this in our chat. It's just an interesting way to start the season. You had a game you should have lost. We should have lost the San Jose game. We weren't very good in 75-ish minutes. Mm-hmm. We end up winning it in a crazy way. And then we got a draw where we definitely should have won. And it felt like a lot of the games last season where we dominated um, you know, for a long period of time and just couldn't score a goal. I don't feel bad after these 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 games though like i i feel like 
they're on to something and they've just got to make it better. Yeah. And Tyler, I don't want to take anything away. And Tommy, I don't want to take anything away from what you guys think about the refereeing, but Atlanta United probably should have been up at the absolute minimum, maybe one nil at halftime. Oh, for sure. If they, if they just, how they control the match, really. Um, I think at one point it was like 70, 30 possession in favor of Atlanta United. And if you want to be a good team in MLS, you have to be able to take those chances as they come and capitalize on those chances. And that's something we saw with this club time and time again in 2022. You know, they have these chances to score goals. They have these chances to get themselves in the winning position, get themselves in the position to get three points. And then what happens, the other team comes and it just takes one moment to chase the entire match. I mean, the old saying goes, goes um, and Greg is kind of fond of, it say, fond of saying it, goals change games and how quickly Bernadeschi's goal, how quickly that changed the match. It, it, it didn't take just but one second, just one. And that's how quickly a match can change an MLS. So you hate to be harping on the same things over and over and over again, but it's true. This team needs to be more ruthless. This team has to start putting balls in the back of the net. You have to see, um, you have to see Lennon hitting on more of those crosses. You have to see Wiley hitting on his crosses um, and Etienne as he comes in. Hopefully that quality will improve once Etienne gets in here and I would imagine starts on Saturday. Hopefully that partnership with Gigi can be built so you're able to put yourself in the position to get in a winning position and maybe go up one goal, two goals up, up instead of having to chase the match because your defense fell asleep for one second. So it's a little bit frustrating that we're still having to have these conversations over and over again with this team. It's good that they got a point, but it should have been three. It should have been three points. They should have been more ruthless. They should have been in the position where they're taking their chances as they come. And I don't know. If, I don't think it'll be just a switch flip situation where they're automatically doing it. While this promise seems to see that they are getting those chances, they got to start taking them. And hopefully that starts on Saturday against Charlotte. A hundred percent. And and Zilf in the chat, you know, wrote tired of seeing us concede first instead of of scoring first. That was the story all last season, and and now that's happened twice already. Mm-hmm. And now you're going on the road and. I wanted to pull up our road record from last year. I didn't get a chance to, but our road record was really bad. And that's, you know, DC I want to and Orlando. What we talk, what was that? It was DC and Orlando were the two wins last season. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's terrible. Yep. And this is a winnable game coming up and we'll, we'll talk about it, but they've got to, they've got to score that, that first goal because if it, it feels like last year too, even when they did dominate at points, they would, you know, allow a counter and that would allow a goal that would go in very quickly. So it's not all doom and gloom mm-hmm. right now to start the year, but there's definitely some things that they can work on. And Tyler, I think you'll talk about that as far as what they were working on in training this week. Yeah, there's uh, this is all leading into to definitely a, a quick discussion about the training ground for sure. Um mm-hmm. And, and our tweet of the week, actually, that's, that's perfect timing. Uh, I do want to hit on the rest of the Toronto match real quick before we go to the training ground. Um, because you, you do have a goal that was scored. 
and it needs to be talked about. Rosetto, you know, getting getting on the score sheet, official MLS score sheet finally, and <laughs> uh, and shutting up the haters, him and Ibarra both. And I think, you know, I'll be the first to say I'll eat my words all day about the pairing. I think they've stepped into actual league play the first two matches, and they've done a great job. They have looked yeah. outstanding in midfield, and I don't think there is any reason to, to, to go in and have them do anything different. I think they've done everything they're supposed to do so far. And uh, I'll gladly, I'll gladly shut my mouth. I will, I will, I'll shut my mouth about any, any critique on this team if they make mm-hmm. me, because I just want them to win. And uh, Rosetto, you know, the strike that he had, first of all, the shots on goal that he had, but the strike that he had, I mean, look, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, I don't think it wasn't going to go in, but it took some lucky deflections and it went in at the end of the day. It was a goal. Who cares? You know, you, mm. you, you gotta, you gotta score them somehow. You're never going to score if you don't take the shots. And he had a little bit of space. Uh, Almada was drawing folks in, passed it back to him and he took the shot and, and it look, it, you, you want that to come first. Cause what we we're just talking about is what Zilf was just talking about. Um, you want those to come first you got to get on the score sheet first yeah. and, and let the other team then open up because that, I think it would have been broken wide open had Atlanta just that parada header at the end of the first half. I think the second half, they probably would have ran riot all over Toronto, but you give other teams a little bit of hope. They hit you and, and, and Atlanta has just a, a, I don't I don't want to call it a bad habit, but they just have, a very bad tendency to just get critically hit on the one time they fall asleep in a match every time. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Rosetto. I think it's great. I I like what he said in the locker room after I'll talk about that in a second, but I wanted to get y'all's y'all's opinions on the goal because it's, I mean, you got to celebrate it, man. It was, it was, it wasn't pretty, but it worked. It it drew him back. It was a goal. It was a goal. <laughs> it was a goal. It's going to look like a screamer from distance in the box score. So, <laughs> exactly. And one of his other shots, I mean, it definitely challenged Sean. Yeah. Like, I mean, he definitely had to to make a, a big dive there to, to to make that save. It wasn't an easy save, but it wasn't a hard save either. But that's something that we haven't seen from him. So, if this is if he's progressing, and he's going to continue playing this way. It's just another wrinkle that they're going to have to worry about because you've got, you know, likely when the starters come in, you, you've got Gigi, you've got NTN. I don't know if Aruju is a threat or not. That's that's a, an entire show in itself. Uh, but Amada's, you know, there as well. So, I mean, it's it's looking good. And Ibarra, I mean, we, we did not see th- good things out of him you know, most of the the preseason and we didn't hear good things about him. And now he's making nice passes. He's making, he's getting the ball back immediately. And that wasn't a possible red card. That was, I I couldn't even believe that they went to go look at that. But yeah, I mean, it's, they're improving. This, this is something that we didn't expect. We expected them to be very thin. We expected to be begging for Sosa at this exact moment saying, Oh, thank God. Sosa's is coming in. We've got him. We're going to be better. It hasn't been bad. And that's a, a great, a pleasant surprise from, from what we had. Now Ibarra did have some good games last year. 
and then he did trend down a little bit. So it's all it's going to be about consistency for him now going forward because they might they I, I would assume they probably keep those the midfield together and then make Sosa earn himself back in and you yeah. know I mean that and that's fine Sosa is, is a late sub in it is more than fine and I thought Ibarra even after he got that yellow which we've talked about last year when after he got the first yellow he kind of became useless in the midfield he was still fine um that was something I went back and looked at I mean he he seemed okay um didn't look like he was timid to go in and, and attempt to get the ball and just I mean just those two especially they were really important on the press and that was probably some of the most pressing I've seen in Atlanta United in a long time I mean it was kind of wild just 68 percent possession I think it was yeah. yep that's right Toronto just looked disjointed in the first half I, I don't know if it was eight older players out there um you know, Tommy, you mentioned the press, but you know they just looked disjointed. They couldn't string the series of passes together. Bob Bradley even said it. He said after the match, you know, the the performance wasn't good. You know, the but essentially said, you know, we're fortunate to get out of here with a point, and they really were fortunate to get out of there with a point, considering how Lenny United really controlled the match in the first half. Um, do we want to get to Twitter of the week, or do we want to hold off on that? Yeah, let's hit it entirely. Oh uh, yeah, tweet of the week from Logando at Logando Five and said Yorgos was robbed of his debut goal, shameful from pro. Again, Lady United not creative enough on attacking third. Lucky to get a draw. Fortunate not to lose. Unlucky unlucky not to win. So has this tweet from yeah, Saturday night. And yeah, I think we hit on a lot of points that yeah, Logando talked about. Um, real quick, Ariel saying in the chat. Our region needs to be benched. I mean, come on, Ariel. <laughs> come on, come on, coming in hot. Come on. I mean, the whole right side was just kind of a disaster. You know, I, I forgot about that one chance Lennon had a, a had a chance to score, and he just couldn't get the ball uh, over Sean Johnson's arm. Like he was running in, I think, from the left, and he kind of came out of nowhere from the left and, and and took a shot, and it just hit Sean's arm. But he had an opportunity to score as well, but. That whole right side, I don't know what it's what it's going to take here. But my worry here is when Aruju last year, when things went bad, he never recovered. He had all the positive vibes in the preseason, and now the vibes aren't there. the The fans are getting restless. You know, I hope that guy's not on Twitter because <laughs> yeah. we got Ariel writing, you know, Aruju out uh, all over Twitter. I'm sure. <laughs> Aruj we love you, Ariel. He's going to be You're fun. You're a guy, Ariel. We love you. <laughs> we tease because we love you. Um, so, so- I think, I think, uh, I think Aruju, he was definitely not as active as you want. There, there were a couple of frustrating times. I remember one in the, in the second half where he just, he, he stopped a, a counter by himself by running straight into somebody. And it was like, come on, man, you know, just pass the ball. But, I, I do I, – I think the chemistry between him and Brooks just needs to be built up. I think people also kind of forget it that he is a huge part of the press and why it works because the dude just runs full steam into folks. So, I mean, yes, he has to be better and he has to finish. He, there's a lot of things that he he needs to do better with, certainly. 
I just like the whole team. I feel like he's one, just one little tweak away from breaking it loose. And I hope that one little tweak is having Yakamakis on the field with him. I mean, they do surround him. I mean, like they, they pay more attention to him, especially when Yakamakis wasn't out there. Like they were definitely on him a little bit more because he's a threat because of his speed. They weren't even really covering Lennon that well. I mean, they were letting him make those crosses in. Lennon had all the space in the world. Because they knew it wasn't going into the box correctly. That's why I gave him a three. If you didn't watch it, I gave him a three. I mean, it's only it, it can't go any worse than that. I know it can technically with by two numbers, but it, I mean, it could go a lot worse. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it could be. I mean, some of the defensive stuff that he did yesterday or, and on the press definitely helped. But yeah, I mean, I think this is a huge game coming up for Aruju. I think that going on the road here and and maybe being even away from the fans, because, you know, the fans, they groan. You, you hear it. When when he shoots, you know he young way coos the ball over you know, for a field goal in the bends. Like they make that noise, and he gets frustrated. So maybe just being on the road, clearing his mind, and having you know just the waste the way or the the home fans there, you know, Boone, maybe that'll that'll change a little bit. By the way, how do we feel about the GG nickname? Because both the comments or the chat saying, "Sorry to hate the GG nickname," sounds like a grandma. Or makes you think of GG Poker. I've never heard of so, GG Poker, Bo. I know you're a <laughs> know you're a gambling man, but I don't is that mind. Great it. grandma poker or like great grandpa poker? <laughs> I'm gonna Google it, but if this is like an adult website, I'm gonna be very upset. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually don't really funny it. that he said the grandma thing because <laughs> my children have called my mother in law they call her Grams, but her, yeah. her name that we have for her is Gigi. So every yeah. time I read Gigi. I imagine like my mother-in-law's face on like <laughs> Yakamakis's body. <laughs> just got to call him Yako or tank. I don't know. Tank just doesn't really flow well, but yeah. Or, or you can call him George. I don't know. The book calls him geo or called him geo. So I guess, yeah, but I wonder if yeah. that, he's like is that a preferred thing that he likes. Cause I don't even know that he's said that that's know. like a nickname. Yako, he, he said people call him Yako. Yeah, Yako. I love Animaniacs, so that's a that's a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> they, they fan. Double G, yeah, Yako. Um, <laughs> Zilf, I'm not gonna put that one up, but yeah, heard that one. <laughs> Come on. Um, no, I mean, I don't know. I don't care. I just want him to score goals, and then everybody can, yeah. like he said, pronounce his name perfectly fine. <laughs> I, you know, um, Animaniacs when they have the video where, like, the I think it's Yakko that like it starts naming off all the states, all yeah. the state capitals. Like, mm. we'll eventually have one of those videos by the end of his career where he could like start singing every single uh, team he scored on. <laughs> we will make that happen one day. That would we get. Really I'm cool. sure we could do. Uh, what is it? A cameo? We could go pay that guy. He does them uh, on cameo. I look. <laughs> this is what I do when I'm bored. There we go. This well, is the research that goes in our episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll make a note of it, and um, hopefully by the end of the season, we will have that in place. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, I feel that Yako, Gigi, Yorgos, they feel pretty hard done by 
um, what happened on Saturday. I know Lady United fans feel very hard done by uh, by the officiating in. You know, we, we already talked about it uh, a little bit, uh, more than a little bit, I'm sure. But, yeah, hopefully um, not a repeat on Saturday. Um, hopefully he can come in and affect the match and continue to affect the match in a positive manner and hopefully get that debut goal that he should have had, I guess. He was robbed. <laughs> I think that's what makes it hurt. So I think that's what makes it so frustrating, right? Because like it was so storybook for him to step yeah. onto that pitch after all this hype and find the back of the net only for it to be called back. And it, it just, yeah. I think that's what like, that's really what makes it so painful from a fan perspective, because I mean, for all of about a second and a half, that stadium exploded and then there's that flag. And then, you know, the, the, the frustrated hush kind of descends mm-hmm. back over the crowd and, you know, it, it just sucks. It is what it is. Hopefully, and, and he kind of alluded to it in the locker room a little bit, but uh, the dude does not enjoy when he does not score goals. And I hope this is just going to be motivation for him to go up to, for to him, what's going to be just a random city somewhere in the United States and just go score a goal or two yeah. and, uh, and get started the right way. Yeah. You know, it was funny because I was listening to, to Mike and Jason – on the, on the Apple broadcast. And and by the way, it's great that it syncs up perfectly. Um, but the only problem with it is, is you can't hear the crowd very well. Mm-hmm. So like that really takes it out. So you can't hear the supporters very well as you do listening to the, you know, the Apple announcers, but they were calling it a goal. Like they're saying that's a good goal. So now I'm getting even more pumped because I'm like, I think that they've got different angles than we do, but it turned out they, the only angle that they had was the one that we had. But they got me. I thought it was a goal. Like we were all celebrating. We're like, all right, these two are saying it's a goal. We're good. Like these guys know. These guys know better than we do. Nope, they saw everything that we did, and that's yeah. that's a problem that they definitely need to fix. We were sitting in the press box after, and we were like, okay, well, they're about to go take a look at it, and and if they take a look at it, it's got to come back. And then here we are. Yeah. Four days later, still complaining about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. That's enough about Toronto. You guys want to move on to Charlotte? I think we yeah. could move on to Charlotte. I got to point out because I think uh, it's it's been mentioned, and again, this is going back to the the previous some of our shows where we kind of dogged on the midfield a little bit. Rosetto, it was asked in the in the locker room after the fact about his forward movement and everything, and he he was very very open about how. Pineda has made it a point to talk to him about moving the ball forward, passing the ball forward, taking more shots, doing everything that I think a lot of fans just have been wanting from him. Go back yeah. to the episode that we had with Jason Longshore, and he was talking about what we need out of Mateus Rosetto. And, you know, the, the Tommy, you know, he had his, he had his face. And he was like, oh, you know, it, but, but that's the thing. We all Six. knew like, if, if it was going to happen, <laughs> it would be a good thing. I just don't know that anybody had any confidence that it was going to happen. You've been here for three years. You've had one assist up until Saturday in, in league play. So it was like, well, if it was going to happen, it should have happened already. You would think the chemistry, whatever is starting to connect and it's starting to, to hit and, you know, knock on wood, pray that it, it can, it stays consistent, but seeing him 
move the ball forward as much as he did the other day was very, mm-hmm. very exciting because I think that's what the Almadas, the Yakamakas, and these other guys are going to need to not feel like they've got to do it all on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And Sadich, I think Sadich is important in there too. Yep. Even when he comes in, because I think that's why people were begging for Sadich to come in and all these games or Sadich to be the starter, right? Like that's been the talk. Like, oh yeah, Rosetto, he could just be on the bench. Well, we want to start Sadich. Like I wasn't begging for Sadich in that game because Rosetta was doing things that he normally doesn't do that Sadich usually does. So I'm like, all right, cool. If if he's doing it, then we can continue to, you know, let Sadich sit there and still, you know, recover from his injury. Yeah. And that's the Hopefully. that's the midfield. Go ahead, Sydney. Yeah. I, I was gonna say, you know, even though we have a small sample size, hopefully, um hopefully it continues. And we talked about it last week and on Sunday a little bit. Hopefully this is kind of a new Mateus Hasetu that we're seeing. And not just kind of a flash in the pan, you know, just for two matches, and then he drops off the cliff for whatever reason. Um, so Michael says in the chat, my wife thinks Sosa is a cutie. Any chance he's a reserve Saturday? He'll be. He should be in the on the team sheet. That will be his first match back after the suspension. So I would assume he will be available. It's yeah. got to be the hair, right? Like that's that's. It's got to be the hair. <laughs> He, he, he's going to, I think he's going to be there. I don't, I don't see any yeah. reason why you would leave him off the team sheet. I mean, I don't think you change anything up certainly because what you have right now is essentially working. Hmm. Um, And we, we kind of hit on it with, uh, with Jess and, and you'll hear it in a little bit, but like chemistry, we all know chemistry last season was such a hard thing to develop. You, you can go into this match with basically the same starting 11 that you've had for the first two matches roughly and just let them let them do their thing let them continue the momentum that they had going into saturday coming out of saturday and you go into a team that's going to be looking to to actually score goals and going to be looking to really get off on the right foot because they haven't so far they've They've lost their first two matches in front of a crowd, especially for a rivalry game. They're going to be wanting to show out. And that allows Atlanta potentially to actually play their game and not have a bus parked right in front of goal for 90 minutes. Yeah. And, and Ariel writes, Charlotte will be, will be hungry though. And that's exactly it. That's why you have to start strong because on the road, when you're on the road, Things could get ugly quick, yeah, very quick. And you get that crowd, and it's gonna. I think it's the stadium's fully open. I know they only open up for some games, but I'm pretty sure the whole thing's open for this one. I think just the two lower sections. Okay. Ariel saying in the chat. I think he's right. Just oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I missed that. So, but I mean, yeah. still, that's that's a very loud stadium. You've you've gotta you gotta get the crowd out of it as quick as you can. Yeah, hundred percent. Exactly. So I guess this is the time. We'll talk about the training ground real quick. Unless you guys have any last minute Toronto things. We could go into the details about the what's that? We should have won. Yeah. One last one last time to get it out of there before we uh 
we move on. Where's the sad face? Show the sad face. Do you still have it? <laughs> oh, I thought me. I thought you were showing me. I mean, yeah, do your sad face too. Yeah. I'm gonna do mine too. Uh, I'm about to start throwing up hands in a second about this. Um, yeah. So, you know, f- real quick, fin- finer points, I guess. In the locker room after the match, real quickly, Yakamakis, super humble guy, super likable guy. The dude was was fun to talk to. Um, he came in a little late. He walked in. He was like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I was late. I don't know what he was doing." It doesn't matter. Um, but he he just talked about how he was like, yeah, I'm just upset that I didn't score. And he's like, his quote was, I could go into a match at times and score a hat trick and still not be happy. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. Like <laughs> that. I hey, hope Joseph. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's a good it's a good personality for a striker to have. You know that we know that that's how Joseph was for a lot of his career here. So. The guy's hungry, and he made it a point to talk about how the team has basically all the building blocks to make him successful too. Now he didn't say it in such like a a selfish way. These are you know I'm paraphrasing; these are my words. But he he alluded to the fact that like what he sees just in the one match that he's played in the short time that he's played is that they are going to build up and do even better week after week because everything is where it needs to be. So coming from a guy who wasn't here last season, who can 100% separate himself from all the stuff from last season because he, he wasn't a part of it, that's encouraging, I think. So, um, but yeah, just a great guy to talk to. Really, really neat. Um, great personality. Again, Rossetto talked to him a little bit. The biggest thing from him absolutely was, uh, you know, basically being coached and, and advised and told, you know, play the ball forward be more proactive about playing the ball forward. That was, that was encouraging as well. Um, Derek Etienne chatted with him just for a minute. And his big thing was, uh, you know, that the, this team has the ability, even though they felt kind of hard done, they felt like they should have won that they come out after this and, and completely put this behind them. And he, he said, he feels like the, the chemistry and, and everything that this team has now uh, going into the season that it's that's a possibility they they can move past what is an unfortunate result and get going back strong go out to charlotte and come away with a win come away with three points and every player that i've been around that media has been around over the past four or five days since the end of the toronto match has been very positive mm-hmm. about the desire to go up to charlotte and come away with a win not just a result they are confident that they're going to go up there and, and pull away all three points. So we'll see if it happens. It'd be a great way to get started. Um, especially after the, you only have two road wins last season. So the training ground itself, we got there. I got to, I got to give props um, to the club for sure, because they are opening up to the media pretty much every Tuesday to be able to watch the entire training. And that's not something that's really been happening. You usually go, you can see just the shortest little bit of training. Usually it was the warmups, really. And then they do training without media there. And then the players that we were talking to that day would come in and uh, we do the interviews and that was it. It's a little different now. Tuesdays, we get to see everything. And to kind of add the, the icing on the cake, 
Gonzalo Pineda came up and as, as the assistant coaches and everybody else were finishing preparing the, the drills, he came running up and pulled all of the media to the side and said, Hey, this is what we're doing today. I wanted to come over here and give you guys an explanation. Like, you know, this is the things that we wanted to work on because of what happened in the Toronto game and the San Jose game. He was talking about, you know, we want to work on dead ball situations where sometimes we feel like we have to just take a quick, you know, a short, quick pass to get the the game back up and running again. And that's not always the case. We want to be able to slow things down when we need to. So they, they did a drill to work on that, did a drill on rewarding the runners. That was one of his big things that he was yelling. Um, to to everybody, he said, if a player is making the run, reward them, pass them the ball, give them the ball. And, and so he's encouraging what everybody has been wanting to see these runs in behind. You got a guy like Yakimakis, you got Barry, you got Arujo. He's saying reward them, reward these guys when they make these runs. Um, a couple other drills. We saw a, a small side at 11 v 11. That was really cool. And the this is the one thing I really wanted to point out especially for the fans, because uh, I think it's the biggest point of contention right now is obviously finishing, but the drill that they had set up encouraged sending in crosses, not just the, the wide, you know, from the wing kind of crosses, but the crosses where you dribble to the, you know, the, to the touchline or the inline and, and send it just, you know, slightly backwards across the box. Not not the big airborne ones that everybody kind of sees, you know, Lennon and, and everybody else trying to get get a part of. These are the ones that everybody is is going to feast off of that are making these late runs into the box. So I say all that to say the things that people are concerned about are being worked on. Now it's a matter of going to Charlotte and from here on out and executing. So I, I just I felt like it was important to point that out because the media and the fans can sometimes be so far removed from what's actually being fixed that it, it makes people frustrated. So to have the coach of a team come up and say, hey, we see the problems and we're, we're going to work on them. I think that's a big deal. Um, so. That was the training aspect of it, Tommy, you had something real quick. Well, I was just going to say uh, in the chat here, T. Riddle was saying they were always optimistic last season, too. You really don't have anything not to be optimistic about. You could be frustrated, but you, you're 1 0 and 1. Like, that's not bad at all. Like, you, 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 yeah, you missed out on a couple points, but overall, I mean, it, this has been a lot more fun than it's been. For quite some time, I, I've I've had fun watching both games. They've been competitive, um, and that's with a lot of your guys missing. So I, I don't think there's anything to to, to not be optimistic about at, at this point of the season. It's again, it's two weeks in, but I, I we're not zero two like Charlotte. And what are you hearing here? And and this is the big thing. Like nobody really knows what's going on in practice except what the media reports. Thank you too. And, but like you, they're telling you what they're working on. Now, maybe he was just doing it so Doug doesn't ask him if they're practicing crossing. <laughs> maybe, maybe that, that's part of it. But I mean, it, in all sincerity, they're working on, on the issues that they had. And last year, when they were working on a lot of the issues that they had, 
they were working with, you know, sometimes your third string players doing it. You're doing it with all your starters and, and you're slowly able to integrate them in. Like if we were and two, then maybe they do start switching things around and, and be a little bit drastic on these lineup changes. You don't have to be now. You're, I mean, you're going on the road, but you, you haven't lost a game yet. You're going up against a team you should be beating and they could stay comfortable with what they have. And I've, I don't think that it's, they, they shouldn't be doom and gloom. They should be optimistic right now. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, would you rather them just be dragging and friendly faced all the time? I mean, you have to find some level of optimism no matter what happens. I mean, it's tough, but you know, you still you still have to, you know, really keep yourself sane, keep yourself in the right mindset. Yeah, and and I think the personality's been been the right one. I, I think there's been a little bit of a, a spiciness to some of the players and their attitudes, and mm. I think that's good. I mean, it's it's much better than what you saw most of last season, where you know yeah. the injuries, the psychological issues that that brings, the the psychological issues the losses bring. Yeah, especially at home, like those things, you have a fresh start. It's encouraging to see what's being done to fix it. And yeah. now that has to pay off in the matches, certainly, but it's it's good signs. So, you know, and, and another very encouraging sign, again, from the training ground that I'll point out is uh, everybody is back training. So mm-hmm. we were there uh, yesterday. And of course they do the, you see it on social media all the time where they do the tunnel players that are coming back from, from injury or whatever. And they run through the tunnel. You had Tyler Wolf that came back from his shoulder issue. You had Machop Chol that came back from the, I think the hamstring or calf injury that he had. Um, and then Ozzy Alonzo back out there, which is a huge deal. Now yeah. he, he came out and he went to go train by himself on the pitch, but off to the side, he wasn't doing the full training with the team, but the fact that he's out there, that is a big deal. That is a big, big deal. Yeah. Psychologically. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Psychologically. And what he can, what he can bring just being out there, that extra time that he's going to get with these midfielders and teaching them things. That's, that's a big deal. I'm super excited about it. So. And this is Ozzy Alonzo with hair. With hair. <laughs> with lots of hair. Like, just imagine like you, you knew bald Ozzy Alonzo and now he comes out with his hair. You don't want to mess with that guy. Gonna kill it, man. But he um, he's gonna be a great closer. You know, oh, 100 percent Because he's not gonna be able to play a ton. And he was playing way too much than probably what anyone expected last season as mm-hmm. well. Um he wasn't supposed to play that much. And yeah, you know, then he ends up getting hurt. I mean, he he's the perfect Jeff Lorenowitz type guy to come in late, occasional starter, maybe once a month, but just you're up a goal. Barra's beat, maybe, you know, you, you take out a, a Rosetto um, and, and put Alonzo in for him to, to really shut the game down. That's great. Yeah. Um, Dan asking, what kind of shoulder injury did Wolf have, muscular or skeletal? I don't know. I, I was under the impression that it was muscular, uh, but I don't know. I can't say that for sure. Um, yeah. I Really, don't yeah, I had have, a chance to really have yeah. really had a chance to ask, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of been like one of those lingering things that just kind of popped up, and which again yeah. makes me think that I, I just don't know what you would be doing to end up with a skeletal shoulder like thing going on. 
but I mean, it, it happens, which brings me to my next point um, to, to kind of cap off the training ground stuff. Amar Sadich, everybody's asking kind of what was going on with him. Well, he had a broken toe. That's why he hasn't been involved. Um, didn't say necessarily when it happened. Obviously, preseason sometimes, maybe the end of last season. You know, it's a it's a broken toe, so think about how that has to heal. But uh, I think the fact that he got time in San Ho- against San Jose and then a little bit of time against Toronto is is encouraging. But he said he's he's fine. He said he's healthy. He said he's good to go. So, um, but that kind of unraveled that little mystery. Yeah. Um, and then besides that, Brooks Lennon. The the biggest thing I can say about his interview was the guy is just he is harping on the confidence of this team and going up on this road match and stealing three points. So again, going back to the confidence and the chemistry, I think it's a big deal. Now they just got to go do it. Yeah. Great insight. Great insight. And um, let, let's see if it happens. I mean, the old team goes, don't just talk about it, be about it. And that's right. Hopefully this team can be about it um, starting on Saturday Saturday against Charlotte FC in a Derby match. And no, I think it was Bruno that asked. I have not um, found a good name for the Derby yet. I tweeted out some a question asking people, hey, where are we calling the Derby? And I might share this out, um, but follow me, SH Wright. I'll follow Tyler to ATL Pilgrim and Tommy, Tommy ATL Need 6 as well. Um, but yeah, maybe we could talk about that after um, after this interview. Speaking of interview, we Tyler, you and I had a chance to talk to Jessica Sharman, who was part of the Charlotte FC radio crew, and it's a great interview. For those of, those of you that know, Jess um, was a former goalkeeper at Clayton State, so she has very strong local ties. Uh, she still lives here in Atlanta. It's uh, done work with soccer in the streets, and she'll talk a little bit about that in the interview. Um, but yeah, we're, we're hoping to have her live, but she had, uh, an engagement that popped up kind of last minute, but just gracious life enough happens. to come on. Yeah. Life happens. Exactly. Yep. But, um, yeah, just was able to grateful to come on uh, a little bit earlier, help us preview Charlotte FC and pre-record this interview. So we're going to kind of dip out for a second and let you all hear what Jess has to say about Charlotte FC. And then when we're done, we'll come back and talk about the match give you our predictions and who we think is starting. But yeah, here's Tyler and I talking to Jessica Sharman from Charlotte radio team. Joining us now is Jessica Sharman, a name that many Atlanta United fans may recognize as early Charlotte FC fans may recognize. She's part of the commentary team, radio commentary team for Charlotte FC on WFNZ radio up in Charlotte and should add a former Clayton state goalkeeper. Um, Jess, thanks a lot for coming on. How are you? Absolutely. I'm delighted to be here. It's an interesting week for me, as everybody knows, <laughs> living in Atlanta. This is a game that I look forward to for many a reason. I think it's fun to be a part of this blossoming rivalry, and I'm very excited for the action to get underway on Saturday. Yeah, we can't wait either. I know um, LA United fans can't wait either. I think I heard at last check, maybe a thousand or so fans will be headed right up I-85 to Bank of America Stadium. So should be a good one on Big Fox and the season passed, but that should be a good match. Um, real quick, for those of you who aren't quite sure of who you are, what you do, and all of that, 
kind of give us a quick rundown about your broadcasting career to this point um, and also your soccer career. I mentioned you played for Clayton State, uh, goalkeeper. Um, talk about that, how you um, how you got to the game and just your path to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously being English is kind of in your DNA, right? And I think that soccer was always going to be the sport that I picked with my family. Uh, dad, a big soccer fan, brother, a big soccer fan. So it was natural that I gravitated towards soccer. And fortunately, with that investment in time and effort for my parents, I was able to get pretty good at it to the extent that I played for Watford and Reading and then was able to make the big jump into the collegiate game with the scholarship and the opportunities that opened my eyes to everything in America, which was incredible. Um, it was in college where I was a pretty good goalkeeper, pretty successful at Clayton State that I was able to also get into broadcasting, uh, commentated the men's team, realized it was something. Well, I always knew it was something I wanted to do, but realized that I had like a knack for it as well and was able to really start getting reps in college. And then after college, it was something I wanted to do. I combined getting reps with different colleges across Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, basically anywhere that they would give me games, I would drive to. At the same time, I worked for Soccer in the Streets, which obviously is a organization that is near and dear to everyone in Atlanta's heart and is still something that's very special to me and was a great eye-opener as well for the sport there. I worked alongside Jason Longshaw, that is a big fan favorite in Atlanta, and I would consider him a dear friend of mine and a mentor as well. So Jason really helped me get more opportunities, calling games with him, uh, doing a couple of Atlanta United 2 games, which were my first ever professional game. So that was very special to me. And then I got the call from Charlotte FC. And I think that was a big uh, understanding that hard work really pays off and like sacrificing yourself and taking a risk on yourself really pays off and have been doing Charlotte FC since the inaugural season. So that's been a blessing. And obviously still living in Atlanta, doing some stuff with 92.9 The Game during the World Cup. So I've been very privileged over the last two years to become full-time talking about soccer, which I think is the dream for anyone. And I'm very blessed uh, to have that role. Yeah, I think on top of that, too, uh, you being, I think, the only woman commentator on the radio side, at least. Um, I know the television side, you have John Hildreth, who lives here in Atlanta, Lori Lindsay, Kendra Desinabin, who called the match with Kevin in the season opener. So I know just from reading your work and reading your tweets, that that's a big thing that you've been able to step into uh, being able to kind of break this glass ceiling that exists on the men's side of things as far as football is concerned. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it's something I feel very privileged, but also a huge responsibility to do. You know, there are great women in broadcasting, but at least for me growing up, there weren't very many female voices at all on the radio yeah. side, at least in English and MLS. I don't think there's any full-time women color commentators right now. So that's a really special role to have and hopefully I'm able now to become a way of normalizing it as well it's all very nice to be a pioneer but the goal of all pioneers right is to make sure that the next generation of women coming up won't feel like they're a lone soldier and I think that my goal is to show men and women boys and girls that no matter who you are as long as you're talented enough and as long as you work hard enough I think that hard work is really the most important in success and it's kind of like a pull yourself up from your bootstraps and just stay humble along the way and I'm very blessed to be a role model and I think the favorite part of my job is getting messages from parents or getting told by kids you know that you're becoming a role model for my child that couldn't be more special to me that's awesome so you and you've kind of been involved I think probably more than anybody you've, you're on both sides of, mm -hmm. of the Atlanta and and Charlotte rivalry and, you know, some people are, are saying, oh, it's, you know, it's not a rivalry yet. We don't have a name for it yet. I get that. They're two of the closest clubs in the country. 
Um, and, and you've been on both sides of it. So w- we can't talk about this rivalry, this matchup without talking about Anton Walks. Mm-hmm. Near and dear to both both teams, you know, the, the community for both teams. From from your perspective with what you do with Charlotte, how is the club and community kind of coping with the the tragic loss and everything that's gone on since January? Yeah, I think the Anton situation was the hardest thing I've dealt with in my career, even, you know, on a professional and personal level, Anton and I had a lot of parallels in our careers, in our lives, the fact, you know, both from England, coming across the pond, Atlanta, Charlotte, and when I got the Charlotte gig, knowing that Anton was coming, I remember being so delighted that we had taken Anton, because I already knew what a quality player and person he was from my time in Atlanta, and I was excited to kind of have that connection with someone the closeness of having an English player. And I think that for me personally, it was really tough, but then I don't spend every day with Anton Walks. You know, I interviewed him a few times and we knew of each other. We would say hello, always so polite, always smiley. To think what that does to the players that worked with him every single day, that shared the locker room with him. I think the club has done an admirable job of handling something that there is no blueprint for, right? Like, when do you think about players passing away while actively still playing on preseason it's a one a one-time thing like there's going to be no blueprint for this and I think the club has done a great job they've been supported by the league as you mentioned the I got sent so many pictures of Atlanta's tributes and I thought that was incredible and what an admirable job that was and we can talk about being a rivalry but the fact that everyone came together to honor Anton just shows what a special human being he is but I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't tough I think a lot of people on the outside have talked about Anton Walks' passing as like this thing that's going to be a motivating factor. And a lot of people saying like, this is going to be the push over the edge. But I think you want it to be that. But on a human level, how can you say that all it's going to do is motivate you? Like yeah. there's going to be a very big emotional component to it. And it's about channeling the respect for Anton, but also you got to handle that emotional side. And I think these are human beings and, and we have to deal with it in our own unique way and healing isn't a linear process. And I think we're seeing that, but I will say the league has been amazing, not just Atlanta, not just Charlotte. We've seen tributes from everywhere. And I think that this is a moment that touches everybody because like I say, no one knows how to handle this. And I think it's going to take time, but uh, this weekend's going to be very emotional for everyone. Right. Because I think there's a lot of Atlanta fans that remember Anton for the incredible guy he was for the smile. He was the leader he was. And, I still remember to this day how upset so many of Atlanta fans were, understandably, when Anton was left unprotected, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That hurt. That hurt seeing Anton yeah. in a Charlotte shirt for a lot of Atlanta fans. So I think that it will be an emotional affair because both of us share that love for Anton and his family and his young daughter. And it's yeah. just, yeah. you know, and it, he- it's a tough one. And I think it's something that's going to stay with everyone for a very long time. And the only way we can do it is honor Anton. And I think Anton's been honored. Uh, across both teams very very well and I'm proud to have been involved with both sides of the club for how we've all come together for this moment yeah absolutely and and I think also it's worth remembering like he he had such a deep connection down here because obviously Atlanta and Charlotte but like he was in Atlanta inaugural season and then Mm. went back to England at one point and then came back again and then was unprotected and then you know went to Charlotte so yeah I definitely I remember distinctly I remember being quite angry (laughs) <laughs> that uh that that he was going to charlotte but um i think it was a good fit for him and it, it, it is tragic it's sad but uh I, you know it, it it's it's a it's a thing to draw strength from but you have to understand like these are human beings too it's sad yeah. it's going to affect it's take time. 
The club is doing some amazing things. Like you notice, you'll see on the jerseys, they've got the AW5 patch that's mm-hmm. going to be worn this season. The whole locker room has been decorated with different motivational materials, but we have to be patient with the healing process. And I think that's right. something that's really important from everybody to understand that, you know, when we lose a loved one, if it's our yeah. family, it just takes time. No, absolutely. hundred percent. And um, yeah, as he said, as you both said, you know, it's going to be you know pretty emotional, you know, going up there on Saturday and both fan bases kind of coming together and thinking of Anton as the match goes on. So a little, little tough to kind of pivot off that from Anton's death to know what's going on on mm-hmm. the field on Saturday. Um, I do want to talk about um, Charlotte's results up to this point. And I would say they're desperate at this current point in time because it's still early, but you know, zero points from two matches is not something that you want to go into. Um, conceding late to New England and then having one goal lead um, through Copetti, his first MLS goal, and then kind of Things going out the rails kind of at St. Louis from a really vibrant crowd. So what is Charlotte's mindset going into this match, you know, considering what I just said? You know, they're looking for that first win of the season, and they don't want to fall behind too far too early and risk getting, getting themselves out of the playout hunt yeah. um, relatively early in the season. Yeah, I would agree with you, Sydney. I think it is almost a bit desperate, honestly. It's frustrated. I don't think desperate in terms of, like, it's a must-win, but – it kind yeah. of is in a sense that you don't want to go 0 and 3. Last season right. was the inaugural season. It took us to the fourth match to pick up points, but that's your inaugural season. This is year two. We've made some mm-hmm. big signings in the offseason. You mentioned Capetti, but you've also got Ashley Westwood, who has hundreds of experiences in the Premier League. When you've added this quality to your lineup, you expect yourself to pick up results. And I think when you look back to the two games, there were glimpses of how good this Charlotte FC team can be. If you've had a chance to watch the the goal for Enzo Capetti, the team movement on that goal was fantastic. The issue is it's not happening consistently enough through the games. You look at the goals we've conceded and a lot of it's been fault of our own in terms of lapse of concentration, in terms of defensive errors, in terms of giving St. Louis what is becoming the St. Louis goal of passing it to their forward line. It's been frustrating. And I think when you look ahead to the schedule, it's not getting any easier. You've got Atlanta United, who's unbeaten. Then you've got Orlando, who's a very competitive side, as we've seen. So I think Charlotte FC know they need to get a result soon to sort of get the ball and the momentum rolling. And I think against Atlanta at home is the hugest contributor of that. We know that soccer in the South is huge. Like Mm -hmm. week in, week out, the atmosphere in Charlotte's incredible. You see it in Atlanta and we need to make the most of this home field advantage that we should be getting when you have a full crowd in Bank of America Stadium. Yeah, you mentioned the home field um, last season. Uh, the home team won both matches. Um, Atlanta, of course, Jake Mulraney and Stoppage Time, and then yeah. Alcivar and Charlotte <laughs> on the Olympico. So, um, I mean, you're right. Home, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that I bet, I bet you're going crazy, Jess. I mean, as a goalkeeper, Zan, get that goal up. Yeah, uh, the Olympico was special. We'll, we'll, we'll say it's more about the talent of the player, but yes, it was a tough one to watch. What's interesting, though, when I was doing my notes, I don't think a single player that scored a goal in our Atlanta-Charlotte games is technically available or with the club. Adam Armour, of course, mm. coming back from an ACL injury and everyone else has upped and moved on. So it's time to write some new uh, history in this game with a new goal scorer, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, Mulraney, he's 
he's moved on a couple of times since then. He's back in <laughs> back in Ireland now. So it's crazy how fast this this game moves at times. Yeah. Um, but speaking of of some of the changes that that Charlotte has had, you've got quite a few new new faces. Obviously, Capetti's going to be the big one. But take us through kind of for for the Atlanta fans that aren't as familiar, some of the changes, uh, some of the the new guys that are coming in, and also you you have some of the the players from last season that are playing kind of in different positions now. Take us through kind of kind of what to expect. Yeah, absolutely. So firstly, you're going to see a different goalkeeper, Christian Kalina, who I thought did a pretty good job against Atlanta and is a very good goalkeeper. But when you watch him from outside, you've seen some highlight reel that maybe wasn't as good. But we have Pablo Cisnega in goal right now, who's been very good and would look back at the four goals he's had to concede as frustrating. I mean, he's conceded a penalty, an own goal, the back pass and then whatever else against in the 89th minute against New England Revolution. But I think he's a pretty solid goalkeeper and I think that he's going to be kept busy against Atlanta. So we'll see how that goes. Back line, obviously, Anton Walks would have been a right-on starter. So that's been really tough to replace. We were able to sign Bill Tuiloma, who has a lot of MLS experience. And so far, he's been pretty decent considering he's building a brand new partnership with Adelson Melander, who is a guy that I think will not be in MLS very long. 21-year-old French guy, and just so smart. He was the guy that had the mistake against St. Louis. But if you're basing your perception of Adelson Melander after that mistake, that is a once-in-a-lifetime mistake from him. Mm-hmm. Fullbacks. I think you alluded to the fact that we played two different people at left-back so far this season. So your guess is as good as mine about where Latanto is going to go with that. But Nathan Byrne, a new signing from England, uh, had championship experience. Pretty solid back there. Left-back. Who knows? We've seen Brant Bronico, who was a midfielder. We've seen Harrison Awful, who's right-footed. There's only one natural left-footed uh, uh, left-back right now that's fit, and that's Joseph Moore. And he started the game against New England, played well, but didn't get kept in the middle. Uh, midfield is where I think we have some of our biggest talent. I mentioned Ashley Westwood. His distribution is incredible. Watching him pass is amazing. Set-piece very good at, although I will say our corner kicks have been pretty rough so far. So hopefully they've been working on those against Atlanta. I mean, you scored an Olympico against them, so you would hope that corner kicks <laughs> might be something that you'll be working on. Uh, Derek Jones is, is ever-present in centre-back, very good, holding defensive mid. Karos Federski's moved into midfield. Karos Federski, obviously, one of the big names, designated players. I think he hasn't got off to as good of a start as he would have liked to. Um Hasn't scored yet, of course, only the one goal from Enzo Capetti. So Karas Fideski has a lot of pressure on his shoulders, but we know how dangerous he can be. Enzo Capetti, I think he's the real deal as a number nine, but has made very uh, vocal comments about how he's having to adjust to MLS, whether that's the officiating, whether that's the turf. He said it's very different to Argentina, so hopefully he's able to adjust quickly. We've got an abundance of wingers, abundance of wingers, but again, rotating in and out. I love a guy called Nuno Santos who came off the bench. He's a Portuguese guy, very good distribution. I also really like uh, Camille Josviak, who has faced a lot of criticism, but another Polish player. So we've got a good squad, but as you're hearing, lots of new names and lots of rotation in starting lineups between games. So I'm wondering where our chemistry is at, and that may be something that you guys notice and are able to exploit on Saturday. And that's something that Atlanta dealt with a lot last season. With the injuries, you know, injuries yeah. and oh, it felt like an injury after every single game. <laughs> it was nonstop last season. It was the wildest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, chemistry. I mean, you have to have you have to have a similar group starting, right? Or at least playing together to develop it. And it's early in the season, so you know, hopefully 
maybe not this game for our sake, yeah. but y'all get that out of your system after a while. But yeah, that chemistry conversation is definitely a, 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 a trigger, I think, for Atlanta United fans after last season. It is. And I think that you want to be patient. Of course, you yeah. want to be patient, but it was a long preseason and you want to try and figure things out ASAP because like you alluded to, you don't want to dig yourself a big hole. Yes, we've extended playoffs, nine positions. Like that should be achievable. It would have been achievable last year with the finish that you got, but you just can't make it too difficult with yourselves and, and give other teams enough confidence to grow when you're not growing. Yeah, so yeah, let's kind of bring it back to Saturday. And I, I mean, you, you've seen it with Atlanta, just the match they experience um, week in, week out at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Now being a part of Charlotte FC's radio team, you, of course, see what it's like in Charlotte, a new club. Well, not new anymore. It's their second year, but really a lot of expectations. And part of that expansion of soccer in the South that Atlanta and Orlando, Nashville have been really partaking in. And I say Orlando, I know. Some people will say, well, around the wind is not the south, but we'll just roll with it. But um Geographically uh, South, right? Geographically speaking, geographically speaking. But uh over the past year plus a match, um, what's been the best part of that fan experience at Bank of America Stadium thus far to you in your eyes? Now, this is funny because I'm not American, but I think the national anthem that they do is very special, right? When you give a British person goosebumps by singing the national anthem, it's quite amazing. So having yeah. the full stadium sing the national anthem is really cool. And then on the broadcast, I got teared up when we did the five-minute uh, round of applause for Anton. And I think that's something yeah. that they're hoping to do uh, in this game as well. It would make sense. Uh, fifth minute, well, fourth minute for Atlanta. Who knows what we'll go with? Maybe we'll go with four and a half to five and a half, but... That was very special as well. And then there's something they do, the Poznan, where they turn because we've got the two Polish players in the in the lineup. They turn and do the bounce. That's really cool. But I just think the whole game day of experience of what I do love, and I think it was similar when I used to look around um, Mercedes-Benz when I'd be working there as well. I love how the stadium looks like the city, right? We pride mm -hmm. ourselves in Atlanta. We pride ourselves in Charlotte at being a very diverse city full of, you know, people of different colors, creeds, backgrounds, genders, races. And I think looking around the stadium and seeing people that look like everybody, it is a really incredible thing. So I think that's my favorite thing that they've been able to bring together the city and really reflect the mixing pot that is the South and make sure that everybody, whether they have grown up loving soccer or have never watched the soccer game before, feel welcome. And I think that's what's really special about both Atlanta and Charlotte coming together in the South to just mm make soccer more accessible because that's what's important. There's too many people that have never had an opportunity to fall in love with this game. And now they're getting a chance to, and long may that continue in the yeah. South and across America. Yeah, indeed. indeed. And it's rapidly growing. Um, probably more than anybody expected down here. I think I grew up here and I think it's, it's kind of awe inspiring how quickly it has taken on just since Atlanta came into the scene and we can talk about Orlando, but even Nashville, um, obviously Charlotte doing great things. So uh, it's just, it's just fun to see. It is not something I thought I would see down in this corner of the United States anytime, mm. at least early in my lifetime. So it is really, really awesome to see. Yeah. And the amount of people will just ask you, what was the score? You know, it's just amazing yeah. to see how many people care and are invested in this game now. So I love it. I'm glad to have been seen it on both perspectives. And I think that Saturday is going to be a very uh, 
interesting event. And I think it's going to be a very competitive game. I think that it's two teams coming in with very different mentalities in terms of an unbeaten side versus a side that needs to win. So I'm very interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Um, new Nietzsche, of course, on Fox. Yeah, of course, an MLS season pass. Um, and if you all can't make it out to the match, you'll be here, able to hear Will and Justice call on MLS season pass. Um, as you know, um, the home radio call is available to you if you're watching on MLS season pass. So, yeah, that should be fun as well. Uh, Jess, we're going to cut you loose, but we really appreciate your time and enjoy talking to you and have a great call on Saturday. Thanks so much for having me and look forward to catching up soon. All right. Yeah, awesome conversation with Jess Sharman, part of the Charlotte FC radio crew with Will Polishek on WFNZ. Uh, I was like 610. There used to be at 610, but they're in FM. I forget the frequency. But uh, yeah, she's part of the radio team. She has been um, since last season, their inaugural year. And going to catch up with her. Great insight on Charlotte FC. And obviously, having followed Atlanta United, she had great insight on you know, this derby and what it means to both sets of fans and especially you know with the passing of Anton Walks I think that and we talked about earlier that just really adds to kind of the emotion of the match I think changes things a lot right yeah it's bigger than bigger than soccer right it's um you know it, it's sad T Riddle had, had posted a comment as we started, I think a lot of you guys saw it, but, you know, talking about he wasn't a fan of Atlanta when Anton was a player here. But I think you have probably seen, the whole league has seen since this tragic accident happened that um, just how much he meant to both teams, but not just the teams. I mean, he has a family, you know, he he has family on both sides of the, of, of the Atlantic ocean. And, uh, though it is a rivalry, I am super excited to see what both clubs do and what the fans do for, um, for this particular meetup. I think it'll be really, really special. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, yeah, she talked about, you know, these guys are human beings and so easy to say, you know, just, work past it, move past it. I mean, it's hard. I imagine some in the locker room it took him a little, I, I don't know if they get past it, but it took him a little quicker time to kind of um, process this, I guess. And then other players, it takes longer. They're probably still dealing with it, especially those that he was closer with on the team. So yeah, these guys are robots. They have emotions. Um, they're people too. And you know, not to be too morbid, but you never know when your number is going to get called. And unfortunately, you look at Anton, who we're talking about, has a young family, a young daughter who won't will grow up without knowing her father because uh, of this incident that happened in Florida. So, yeah, just still, still really fresh in the minds of both fan bases, um, especially how much he meant, just the positivity he exuded on and off the pitch. So, yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes, though, because kind of like she alluded to, it is hard. It's it's easy to say, oh well, both you know the teams will draw strength from this, but the teams are also human beings as well. And yeah. in theory, it sounds great to to come out and say, hey, 
we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna honor Anton's memory by going out and doing this and that, and that's great. But you still got to process all of those emotions, and for these guys that literally worked with him day in and day out, that's not something that just happens and heals in a day or a week or a month. This is an ongoing process. So, yeah, it's it's sad. It's it's always going to be sad. the The memory is always going to live on, certainly. But i I just hope, like they did opening day. I hope they go big and make yeah. make this one very special. Yeah. I forgot to mention uh, the tailgate, the terminus tailgate. They uh, can't really tell there, but oh, they, were, they were handing these out to everybody. Nice, yeah. Those like wristbands with a Brooke Allard number four, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, Anton's memory will live on, um, really, forever. Not just in Atlanta and Charlotte, but across MLS as well. Um, Henry Higuita from 30 South Soccer saying fingers from both clubs came together to make the special AW scarf, which I think is a really cool gesture. I imagine there'll be some sort of pre-match tribute and Ortifa as well. So yeah, can't wait to see it. And I'm sure Atlanta Charlotte fans are looking forward to seeing um, how they honor this memory on Saturday. And you'll be, you'll be seeing those scarves in the stands, yeah, whether you're absolutely. there or not. I'm sure you'll see them on TV as well. Um, I think Mark, I, I'd have to go way back up in the the mm-hmm. back scroll of the chat to find it, but he mentioned that he had one and he was going to be bringing it. So, um, yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of folks saying they're going to be bringing theirs and and the armbands and everything. So, just excited to see him honored as as well as he should be. So, yeah. That being said, it is a soccer match that's going to be happening, and yeah. it is a rivalry. It is a it, it is a derby, a derby. I don't know. I. I However you want to spell it, however you want to say it, but it is a rivalry match. So what do we got? What do we got to look forward to? Yeah, I we, we talked about with Jess. Uh, Charlotte are going to be out for the first part of the season. And she touched on that. She's absolutely right. You know, last year, maybe expectations were as high for this club because there's their first at MLS. And a lot of people thought, hey, they weren't going to finish um, – they were going to finish the playoff places. I think kind of precipitating that was their former manager saying, essentially, we're screwed. <laughs> um, and he got fired middle of the season, or you know, he, he parted away from the team toward the middle of the season. That was part of a little turnover of the coaching staff in front office. So, Christian Latanzio steps in and takes over and does a pretty reasonable job with the team. And they strung together some you know, pretty solid results. And just was saying, if the playoff picture had been expanded in 2022, they may have with me, with me playoffs, which I don't think a lot of people would have expected. But hit the yard in 2023, um, started out with zero points through two matches, gave up a 89th minute goal to Kessler against New England in their opening match at home at Bank of America. And then one goal lead, one no lead, Capetti. Um, Tui Loma, I think, had the own goal. I think that was before the half or shortly after, shortly into the second half. The own goal, penalty, conceded, and then Klaus scoring. So that quickly turned in St. Louis's favor and their home opener with a really vibrant crowd behind them. And St. Louis now 2 0, 6 points 
uh, through two matches. But Charlotte's going to be really looking to set the tone. And they don't want to give up too many results too early. I mean, it's the third match of 34, right? But at the same time, I'm sure they didn't expect to be sitting here um, with zero points. I think with a little more, I don't want to say luck. I don't like the term luck. I'm not a big <laughs> superstitious person. But I feel like with a little more, a little bit different bounces off the ball, they may be two points going into this match. But as it is, you know, going back to New England, the late goal in the 89th minute conceded. And then things kind of going off the rails against St. Louis in their home opener. Um, that They're going to be really pushing to get on the winning side. And maybe, if not on the winning side, get any result any way they can, especially at home where, you know, we mentioned last year, the whole team won both matches. So Charlotte will definitely be looking to do that. And Atlanta need to be prepared to face whatever Charlotte throw their way. Go ahead. Want to go? Uh, you you go right ahead. <laughs> this is this is a very important game. To, to, I said it earlier, but I, I think it's just it can't be understated. You're going on the road. This is probably one of your most winnable road games early on in the season because the season does get harder after this. You don't really want to look ahead, but it does. It, you're you're going to be playing Portland at home. And then you're going to Columbus, who had a fantastic game last week. And you, you've got to get the wins that you should win. And right now, this looks like a, a game they should win, but they haven't won. They had trouble winning on the road, and that's going to be important. This crowd's going to be rowdy. That's fine. How do you beat a rowdy crowd? You score early. That is something this team hasn't done in a very long time. They've, you know, last year it was almost, I don't remember the stat, but I mean, a very large portion of their games, they allowed the first goal. They cannot Mm -hmm. do that. They have to score first. I think that's the, the most important thing here. So for me, I'm looking to see how, how they go into this game because I didn't expect the pressing that we saw on Saturday to happen. Like as I started watching the game, I was like, this didn't happen the week before we didn't, we didn't, we didn't press like this. We didn't attack like this. This looks completely like a completely different team. What are we going to expect on the road now? How are they going to handle? Because I think someone asked Pineda, I think it might've been Felipe that asked like, is this sustainable? Can you go and be the Red Bulls and do this every single game that you have? And I don't think that they do, but it's going to be interesting to see how they go in to a hostile environment and how they perform in that first 15 to 20 minutes. And if they can be on the front foot, that that's overall positive, but they've got to score that first goal. And they, the longer you wait in the game, that's what happens with that goal with Brad Guzan, you know, that, that went in, right. That was just because they, you know, they, they had one bad mistake. Sure. But if you're up, to, if you're up to nothing at that point, which we said they probably should have been, then it's only two to one and you're, you're still winning that game. So I, I'm just interested to see how they approach this game just from the start. They have to be the protagonists as the management community says. That's the protagonist of the match. That's a good word. I like it. <laughs> it's true. I mean, y- you want to come off on the front foot. And I think a lot of times <clears throat> in this league, you you kind of look at an away match as you got to go up there and you got to weather the storm and get what you can get out of it. 
the team doesn't seem like they're going to be trying to do that. They seem like they absolutely are confident they're going to go up there and take the full three points. Mm-hmm. That's a great mindset, and I, I think it's the right mindset, certainly. But also, I think it's it's backed up a little bit by the way that they've been playing in terms of this press and everything else. And, and Tommy, going back to what you were saying, yeah, I think Felipe was the one that asked. And Pineda's response was, this sustainability – of the press, we are super confident that we can we can keep this up easily through the first nine weeks of the season. Of course, he said, you know, getting in the League's Cup, Open Cup, things like that, then you have to kind of start maybe slowing things down a little bit. You've got to start uh, looking at subs and everything else. But the first nine weeks, Pineda is very confident that this is going to go forward this press is going to go forward. It's going to work. And he, he feels like it's, it's going to be a hallmark of their season. So you're going up to play a team that is going to try to get on the board early, just like you are. You're going to have a game. I think that is going to be going both ways. It is not going to be like Toronto where you're I always, I think of the gif with like, the dude just getting shot over and over and over again. And that like, that's Sean Johnson just standing there, just taking, you know, shot after shot after shot. And to the point where the only way they could slow that match down was by him taking forever to take a long goal kick. So I think in this one, it's, it's going to be back and forth, but I really think it kind of favors Atlanta in terms of getting out on the front foot, pressing hard and having space for a guy like Arujo. Yakamakis, Barry, whoever, to to be able to just have that extra little inch to make something happen and, and get a goal early, or at least relatively early. Do you think it's three po- three points or bust for Atlanta? I think that's how they feel about it. I think yeah. hearing what yeah. the players have said, and I think I mean, especially you know, I'll go back to the training ground with Brooks Lennon. He was very much like he was he was upset that that they didn't win the match against Toronto. He said he felt like it was two points dropped and i think i think the fan base probably feels like that i mean there are good things to take out of it certainly but the way that he talked and the way that some of these other players have talked etienne in the locker room the other day i think they absolutely feel like they're gonna go up there and win a rivalry game hostile crowd and if they don't then it wasn't good enough 100 percent agree it's I i think it's it's three points or nothing at that point. I think that they'll be disappointed with either one. And that's obvious. Like any team's going to feel that way. But again, you, you look at the schedule and what they have coming up, you, you need to bank points. And last season, that was a big conversation with us. Like it was an easier schedule to start the year and they, they struggled with it. Maybe it's not the easiest start, you know, and you don't really know what a lot of these teams are really going to be in the middle or the end of the year. But right now you see a team that's Owen two. You're you're going there, and you you got to steal those points because um, Portland. You know, I I watched that Portland LA uh, FC game last week, and they were down I think three nothing, and they came back and they almost tied it. It was mm-hmm. it was a really good game. T Riddle brings up you know you you talked about all the games that we have is do we focus specifically on the Supporter Shield, the MLS Cup instead of uh, the Miscellaneous Cups. You know, I, I don't think anything's changed since Darren Eels left. Is uh, trophies are trophies, and mm-hmm. you've got Pineda, who is a Open Cup 
champion, I believe, as an assistant coach and as a player. And he's always said that he's respected the the Open Cup and that's something that they'd want to win. Um, it's also a a way into Champions League. So I I think that they they really focus on all of it. And, you know, you saw some teams last night that took Champions League a little lightly in MLS. Austin. It. <laughs> Didn't work out too well for him, did it? <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, guys. The dog, in my throat. the dog didn't take it lightly at all. That yeah. dog was was on one. What's that dog's transfer that? fee, by the way? Ah, it's got to be. Oh, that's got to be like a two million at least. Two million. First touch of a champion. <laughs> Better than Jurgen Dom's, right? <laughs> faster, faster than Jurgen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pace ninety nine. Right. I mean, every coach is gonna. I mean, you remember Tata, he didn't respect the U.S. Open Cup at all. Right. Like, he he did not care about it, just wanted to, to get back to MLS games and, and chose a young path. I don't see that. There Maybe you see, you know, a Conway or a Barry start some of those games when you eventually get there, which, by the way, I saw a tweet saying that the Open Cup is going to be on Bleacher Report this year. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's exciting to see. I'm curious the quality. And like, are all the games going to be on there? That'll be something. But, Sydney, to I know you out. tweeted out about it. Do you do you kind of have any insight on on that? Because yeah. it's a good point to bring up now before everything gets kicked off. Yeah, I know a few matches in the first and second rounds will be you know, I believe you're reporting on our YouTube channel. Um, later matches since Warner Bros. Discovery hold the rights, not ESPN. I'm sure once the MLS clubs enter in, you know, some of them will be. Um, Maybe on TNT or TBS, but we'll see. We don't have too much information as of yet. We're just kind of going on with whatever you know, soccer says at this point. But yes, one of the uh, one of the WBD properties, whether it be Bleacher Report or HBO Max or yeah or TNT. I'm, I'm There's a game uh, in two weeks those. down the street from my house for the oh. Open Cup, so I'm gonna go check it out. Yeah, go. Yeah, do it. Some of the, I'm sorry, I'm trying not to laugh at Bo's comment in the in the in the comment section because I'm having flashbacks of Ted Lasso, the opening oh. opening season two um, next week, season three is next week. Yeah, season three is coming out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited about it. But yeah, no, the Open Cup. Um, I love the Open Cup, man. I love it. I love everything about it. It's just such a fun competition, especially the early stages. Yeah. Um, we you know we have Georgia Revolution near like literally right down the street from me uh-huh. and uh you know I, they they were in it last year i think they went out in their first round but it, it's just such a fun thing to see when you've got all of these different clubs that you're never going to see play against each other and and of course every country or a lot of countries have their own version of it certainly but it's just it's fun to watch man and and, and it's hectic and it's chaotic and you have the cup sets and everything else and to see Sacramento go last year to the final yeah, against Orlando was such a fun thing. So I hope the quality on Bleacher Report and wherever else, I hope it's good. I hope I hope the whole thing is good. And, of course, I hope Atlanta does well in it and doesn't give away a 2-0 lead against Nashville again. Yeah. Oh, that game. <laughs> yeah. Less said the better. Yeah. Less said the better. Um, But, yeah, Charlotte, Saturday. Um. Lineups. Does Etienne start? 
let's start with that. Does Etienne start? So, no. okay. You don't think so? No. Says no. <laughs> Just because I, I heard his interview, um, you know, he did talk to Jason and, and Mike um, on stoppage time or whatever um, after the game. And he, he said that he was still getting up to, to full strength. Okay. And I don't know. I, I feel like Wiley's had a, a pretty good thing going on and he hasn't looked out of place. So I, I think that they they stick with as much as they can in the starting lineup, just because that's not something they've really had the um, luxury of doing for the past year. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and it was it was mentioned again way back in the the back scroll of the, of the chat, the comment section. But um, somebody was asking how Wiley's how how we felt about Wiley. I think Wiley's done great. Wiley again, the the kid's young. Like he has so much ahead of him he's going to learn from etienne a lot i think he's going to learn from ronald hernandez and, and brooks lennon i mean he's, he's going to take all of this in and uh but like some of the, the small things that he's been doing like his runs his ability to get on the ball on that left hand side mm-hmm. i mean even even a little bit in this season his defensive work like it just has been very very exciting for me again the accuracy of the crosses, things like that, that that comes in time. That needs to be worked on. He's young. But the fact that he's able to get in these positions, when you know other teams are scouting out that left-hand side because they know how dangerous it can be, that's encouraging. So I think Wiley gets a start for another game or two, and then you kind of start to see Etienne take over and then Wiley be the, the guy waiting quite literally in the wings because I think he's going to learn from Etienne, and I think that's going to be a good – a good guy to have uh, come in in a late game situation and, and just change things up a little bit. So uh, you're starting 11 on Saturday. So Gazan, obviously Gutman, Lennon, left and right. Um, Parata miles center backs stick with Abara Haset to the midfield. Um, Amada attacking midfield, Wiley, um, Aridu, and then who he's gonna say? Who's it gonna be? Um, I'm gonna say Barry. Barry, at least one more time. Boo. Well, you have to look at it. You have to look at that. Yakimakis would have just been with the team for just over a week, so I feel like a few more training sessions. And then he'll be able to start against Portland, I think. So I think you give Barry at least a half and then bring in Yakimakis for the second half. I was actually going to say the same thing. I just wanted to boo you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the I, I thought the it. same thing. I, I Barry didn't look out of place either. I thought Barry had a – I mean, we really didn't get to talk about him. But he, had, he, he put himself in a couple – chances to score and i know he hit that one off the net that looked like it went in for a second <laughs> one off the side netting yeah yeah i mean he he didn't look out of place um i mean and that's the only place i really even see like even on the subs change uh, the only part that i would see different would be that you would take out conway and replace him with sosa and that's basically everything else is is exactly the same i don't see Chol or Wolf getting in there right now. I don't think you have a, a, a real need for them right now. So uh, you could see more depending on what 
the score is, you know, at, at that point, if you're losing, I, I would make some of the changes maybe a little bit sooner than what they did last week. I mean, we're hoping that they're in the lead here. And that was what a couple of people in uh, the Jerry South soccer spaces came in and, and said that they thought that the subs came in a little bit too late. And I don't know. I, I thought that they came in just fine. I, I thought he probably pulled the, the trigger a little bit earlier than what he wanted to. I don't think we saw Gigi playing as much as he did. I, I don't, think anybody had that him coming in that early like you know ntn was was getting ready to come in and then you know you, you see him also getting warmed up and you're like oh wow they're they're really going for it here and that was that was nice to see so i i think pineda's done a, a decent job with these substitutes I, I don't think any of them have come too late yeah and he even said after the toronto match that like he he didn't necessarily want to put Yakamakis in as early as he did. Mm-hmm. It worked out because what was it like two minutes after Yakamakis comes in, the, the Rosetta goal happens and it's hard to put into any kind of tangible like analytics or anything like that in terms of like what his change contributed to the goal. But I definitely think him coming on in any match especially as much as he's been hyped up is, is going to make a, a back line have second thoughts. So I, I do agree. I think, I think Barry gets to start again, not because I don't think Yakamakis can handle most of the match, but from a, a maybe a, a strategy point of view, you're looking at, you are going away and as confident as, as the players can be about it, you are still going to an away match. If you have to chase the game, hopefully you don't. Then that's when you want to have Yakamakis coming in really ready to go. So it's it's a gamble because you, you put in Yakamakis early starting. You think, all right, maybe he'll he'll get us on the score sheet first and then we can have a different game. But it's a gamble. And right now, Atlanta has not held a lead of any kind except for the very end of the, the first match. So... We'll see what Pineda does. I'm curious, but I think he goes with Barry personally. I think we're all aligned. And if you disagree in the chat, you're wrong. That's... All wrong if you disagree. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, we, we um, want to hear from you guys. Yeah. Sorry, I just turned off our chat. <laughs> they hate oh, me no. now. <laughs> no, we really do. We're not, we're not being serious. Please, please comment. Please comment. I was kidding. <laughs> Please comment. <laughs> and you were here hitting the self-destruct button. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it sounds like the three of us are uh, in the line. And uh, yeah, tweet us at Scarfs, the letter and Spikes. Or yeah, leave a comment after the show and let us know what your preferred 11 is. Um, I will say that Mark, Mark saying in the comments, there's no advantage to starting Barry. I, I would argue that after hearing Yakamakis' comments in the locker room the other day, he was not a hundred percent even confident himself that he was okay with having to play 90 minutes or, or, mm. or 80. Um, so I think that does have to factor in, in terms of whether you're going to start Barry or him, because when you, when your player who, who is admittedly saying, you know, I'm tired, my fitness is there, but I'm still trying to settle in. And you got to understand all the effects that has on, on everything. Um, 
it, there may not be an advantage to starting Barry, but that doesn't mean that you have to even go, you know, all the way up until the same time Yakamakis came in in the last match. It could be a half and half, you know, see what you get for 45 out of Barry, and then you, and then you swap them out and, and bring in Yakamakis. So either way, you're getting two new and, – and yeah, comment now. Um, he hasn't been there. Barry hasn't been there much longer than Yakamakis. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, but – but – Yes. Barry was in a training camp with DC, right? Yes. And he was working out where – Yakamakis hadn't started a game since November and hadn't really been in full team training probably since around then as well. Right. Well, I mean, he, he had things going on at Celtic. So like, it's not that he wasn't just out of form completely, but you also have to remember like Barry is, is, you know, driving, not driving literally, but six or seven hours down 75 or, or 95 or whatever to come to Atlanta. Um, Yakamakis is coming from Scotland. So yeah, there is a, a factor. There are factors. And, and even hearing him that night talk about how just the craziness with getting his visa and traveling from Toronto and everything else, like the dude, he seemed like he was just tired. And that doesn't mean yeah. like I can't go run for however long. Like you know how it is when you travel, you just get out of, you're out of it after a while. And his visa process was probably, admittedly a little longer than it probably should have been not anybody's particular fault, but like it just happens that way sometimes. So I don't know it, but again, we can sit here and go back and forth. Like it's, it's not an argument. It's just a a fact of like, this is the, the question that Pineda is going to have to answer. And he's going to have to pick one of the two sides that we're arguing right now. There's pros and cons to each. So I'm curious to see kind of how he plays it out. You know, Bo puts in the chat here, if we if we lose or draw to Charlotte, I will strictly blame our manager. I don't know if that's a serious uh, – knowing Bo, it probably is like 85% serious. But, I mean, come on, man. Like, the, the Pineda hate is, has gone just a little too far, in, in my opinion. Like, okay, well, why aren't you hating on this guy for missing a header? Why didn't you miss this guy, you know, for not staying on side? Like, it, the there's the Boca hate, which, you know, much bigger sample size here. We, we've got the Pineda. We're undefeated right now. Yeah. Let the guy go. You're hearing the right things. Tyler, you're telling us all the right things about everything that we talked about on the, you know, when we were doing the, the player grades. Everything that we complained about, you came back on Wednesday because he watched our show and he said, <laughs> we're going to work on this stuff, right? And that's what you want to hear. So, like, if he's Last year, I could understand some of that hate because sometimes a, a question would come up from whether it was Sam or Joe, Felipe, Doug, whoever, that were asking like concerns about the game specifically, like a specific part of the game. And Pineda would almost argue or call back and say, I, I don't think that was an issue at all. And if you were watching the game, you knew that it was an issue. And sometimes that was where I kind of felt there was a disconnect between Pineda and like what was really going on because he was almost arguing with, with sometimes the media about like, Oh, I don't see this as an issue. when I think most of us knew what it is right now. We're not seeing that. Like he's saying, I know crossings an issue. I know that we got players making runs left and right and they're not getting the ball. And then you just see them putting their hands up in the air, wondering why nobody passed it to them. Like those are two of the biggest things that, 
we've been talking about since preseason. And he's saying that he's specifically working on it. It's on the players too. And, you know, I mean, a good coach, there's good coaches out there that sometimes their teams just don't perform well. And unfortunately it does go on the coach, but he's, he's saying all the right things right now. And it sounds like they're working on the right things. So I think that's all, all good, you know, and we'll find out on Saturday if any, if, now I'm going to watch for these specific things. Like I think that's what you should be doing is saying, okay, here was our problem last week. Here's what they worked on. Is it going to be better? And and I think it's fair to say too, though, like between week one and week two, there was a lot of improvement. Mm-hmm. The things that people complained about in the first week didn't really happen in the second week. I mean, finishing has been like the main thing, right? That's so hard to quantify because like um, – being honest here, like scoring goals is the hard part of soccer. So like it, it's sometimes it's just not easy, especially when you have a team that comes in and just wants to sit in front of goal and not give anybody space. And it, it is tough to break down. You got to figure out a way to do it. Absolutely. Good team has to figure out a way to do it because once you get that opening goal, then they have to open up and do something. And then that opens the floodgates. Hopefully. Um, we'll see. I mean, it'll, it'll be curious, but I, I think, yeah, you go into this after this week and after the changes between week one and two, and you say, okay, well, I mean, at least Pineda's like, he's trying. He's now it's, it's up to the players to go execute as well. Like if Pineda's giving them the tools, they have to go use them. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully again, winning cures everything. Hopefully we win. And, and this conversation is we can move on to something else. <laughs> Well, as uh, the comment says here, Pineda gets a long leash at the very least until we actually lose a match. That is not a long <laughs> leash, sir. That is not a long leash. <laughs> That's the, unless we don't lose until the fall, that is a very, very short leash. Mark coming in hot. I know. I know. Predictions. Nobody got it right last week. Predictions. Nobody. I'll go first. I'll go first. All right. No, we got you, Mark. We got you. He said, he said, wait a minute. <laughs> no, we got you. Mark, um, we're pushing Mark. two hours. We got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with two nil. I'm going to go with two oh. nil. I, I know it's, I know it's optimistic. Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think two nil because short of the little, little moments of, of turning off, They've done well defensively. I think Ibarra and Rosetu are developing chemistry, doing well. And I think you're going against a team that's going to want to play, so there's going to be space for an Almada goal. And I think Yako gets his actual opening goal and not one that gets shafted out from under him. 2-0, Barry, Yakumakis, Tommy. What do you say? Oh, quick, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Three one. Three one. Three one. I think it's go up two nothing, allow a goal, they get a little bit of momentum back, and then we we finalize it. Who scores? Oh, I don't get that specific. Uh but I would say Yakamakis would get the, the third goal. We'll, we'll call it that. Okay. Mark. Do you want me to tell you what time the subs come in for Banana as well there, Sydney? No, that's fine. Okay. Just next, check. Next what time is he going to get a next second week. cup of coffee? Come on. We, we need all the details. First foul of the match. 
first card of the match. <laughs> now, hopefully not Ibarra. <laughs> first, um... never mind. I'm going way off track. <laughs> I, I lost my train of thought. I lost my train of thought. Um, but yeah, Charlotte on Saturday. I'll be there covering the match um, with a recap afterwards on Dirty South Soccer. Uh, I'll have Pineda's comments after the match. We won't have to wait long because it happens like 10 minutes due to MLS's niece setup with MLS season pass. But again, if you miss it, Jake Zivin and Taylor Twelman, they call the match on MLS season pass. Uh, Will and Jess will be calling it for WFNZ. So if you want to listen to them, you can do that. If you can't make it to the match, and the website MLSsoccer.com says 12 p.m. kickoff, so it's 12 25. So it's on Fox as well. So got to get that great pregame in. That's right. That's right. From their um, recalled. Um, DoorDash background or whatever <laughs> they have, whatever they have on week three. They're just dropping the budget. Supplies are going to be posted up behind them. <laughs> but um, yeah, again, if you're watching for the first time, thanks so much. We really appreciate you. If you're listening to the first time of the podcast after that, we appreciate you. If you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Hit the like button as well. Do both. Do both, please. Um, follow us. You see our Twitter handles on the screen. Follow Scars, the letter N, Spikes on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram, Scars and Spikes and DirtySouthSoccer.com. I think that's it. Tyler, Sunday. Sunday, the grades. Player ratings on Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Sunday evening. Sunday yeah, evening. We'll, we'll get that posted and hopefully have some fun and give some better grades. And I am going to hopefully be giving Brooks, even if we don't choose Brooks, let's uh, I'll just, I'll make that a thing until he gets above a five for a little bit. We got to get a, you know, a little bit of motivation for him. He's listening. But, he's going to go score a brace Saturday. Watch there it. You go. It's gonna happen. <laughs> if he does we'll, that, we'll, no, you know, never mind. Uh, but <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll probably put a post up maybe post game Saturday or early Sunday morning and ask you who you would like us um, to rate. And we'll, uh, you know, we're usually doing about four or five players. So, and maybe a ref or two <laughs> or a broadcast, Sydney. Yep. I'm sure it'll be a good broadcast. Or the fans. Good broadcast. Who knows? Or the fans. <laughs> We're going to go crazy. We're going to rate yeah. every single player on the field <laughs> from Charlotte and Atlanta. That's the deep cut right there. That's, for, that's the uh, deep one. Yeah, that's that's the that's the B side. But yeah, make sure you yeah. guys do do comment on the on the the post because we do we want to get we want to get what you guys want to hear from and um yeah. and we'll make it happen and have a good time with it. And thanks again to everybody in the chat. We had a pop tart chat. I don't think we really talked about. Yeah, it, it was a very good pop tart. And uh, cinnamon is the best one. My man, your cinnamon yeah. guy. Cinnamon. Cookies and cream. Oh, man. Frosted cinnamon, actually. Cookies, Cookies and, cream, and cream, s'mores. There's really no bad Pop-Tart. That is true. Just leave it at that. that is true. But hey, listen, guys, thank you so much again. Really appreciate hanging out with you. And Tyler, Tommy, Sydney, thanks so long. And we will see you on Sunday for player ratings. Enjoy thanks, everybody. See you.